0: around on this new episode of let's talk a. i'm super happy to be here today with alexander onshore alexander how are you doing
1: i'm doing amazing good weather good time we agreed to talking to you so everything's good
0: how are you amazing I'm, I'm super good too i'm super happy for everyone who is tuning in let's talk ai we deep dive with uh, expert and professional into the field of data and ai and we try to have a very clear picture of what's going on and how we can improve for our careers, our interest, curiosity and so on. And today, I'm super happy to have you on the show. I have many questions, so let's get right into it. Maybe for the people who might not know you, could you maybe introduce yourself in a few words?
1: Yeah, I'm a co-founder and director of AI engineering at Neuronslab. Uh, we are AI consulting development company. We are doing this together as a company for five years. I'm personally doing AI for more than ten years as an engineer, researcher, uh, entrepreneur, teacher, public speaker, blogger, different roles.
0: <laughs> different and many roles. Um, all right. So I'd love to start maybe this uh, um, this chat with. Uh, getting to know you a little bit better in terms of your background. But first of all, what are you trying to achieve today? So I like to talk about like the state of the art of people. So what is your state of the art? And by that, I mean, um, what are you most interested in? Not necessarily from a technological point of view, but like uh, what is your where is your curiosity at those days?
1: I would say it's intersection of uh, technological and cultural changes. So obviously my professional life is very technological, but then there is the personal life, uh, culture, and let's say us as human beings. So how to reconcile it? I know it's really abstract uh, way of saying we can dive into this, but reconciling human way and technological way, this is what is uh, interesting for me recently. Both, and actually, it uh, correlates with the business approach as well. Because in my business, you work with people in, in the very end. So how to reconcile the way people work, people think, and how to use technologies. This is affecting my business as well.
0: Awesome. We'll get into all of that. Uh, so for everyone who's listening and myself, could we maybe do a, a brief retrospective of key moments on your career? So like main points, maybe from what you studied to how you got into the field, Uh, and like uh, key moments in your careers that uh, really helped you grow could you maybe take us through this journey like of uh, a brief retrospective of everything that happened and I'm sure a a lot happened so (laughs) this is a (laughs) a tough question but um, yeah we'd love to to learn more about you
1: I think the key points that are relevant to me were, first of all, 13 years old when I first started to do something with computer and computer games, meaning mm-hmm. like trying to open, you know, the files behind the game, change them to see how the game cha- how the game changes when you change it. So it was my first steps into even not programming, but trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Then uh, when I was 17, 18, when I started studying mathematics... I wasn't a really good student, so I started Googling what mathematicians do, and that's how I found machine learning. First computer vision, then machine learning, and I was lucky enough to find my first uh, projects very quickly. Hmm. And uh, so basically, after this, I was working mainly as an individual contributor uh, and leader for small teams. So it was a long time of uh, doing algorithms myself, leading small teams, creating small companies, and uh, writing, blogging, speaking, teaching about it in different, with different teams, organizations, et cetera, which all led into creation of Neuron Slab in 2019, which is, I would consider, a second phase of my career. Before that, it was uh, more of individual contribution and leadership of small teams. Now it's about uh, building organizations, which is a big challenge uh, by itself.
0: Awesome. We'll get into all of that. Um, Okay, so we have a clear vision of what you're doing and and this brief retrospective, so maybe uh, we'll get right into it. Um, Neurons Lab. uh, So how, why, what? (laughs) Um, Can you share maybe more about uh, what are you trying to achieve with the company, with the organization? And um, and maybe like if you have some examples of um, like some missions that you had, We'd love to, to learn more about that.
1: We want to empower as many companies, organizations as possible to use AI in the proper way. We see it's a very really new thing and we are working in the field, uh, I'm not ashamed to say, longer than many others. So we want to be leaders, setting example, and empowering others to do AI in the correct professional way because we are consulting development companies. So our Let's say the pick point for us is to be leaders to be the lighthouse for other organizations startups uh, companies maybe even governments and sometime how to do apply AI in the right way both professionally humanistically way maybe even philosophical way and this is our uh, start point in a bit more shortened period we want to empower as much more organizations as possible to use AI for their growth and benefits and satisfaction
0: awesome and when you say um, apply AI um, like the proper way or like follow-based practices what do you have in mind that you've seen or you've heard of that um, data or AI are not implemented correctly in companies Like, do you have, do you have maybe examples or, or is it like from a philosophical perspective from a implement- technical implementation perspective can you share more about that
1: it's hard to judge philosophical because many people, organizations can have different philosophies. But uh, technically, unfortunately, so many organizations don't do it even the right way, starting from the data. Mm-hmm. Not many people collect uh, clean and structured data the right way. Many people don't set up the metrics mm-hmm. and expectations. Many people don't keep track of what they're working on. Many people are not able to. It iteratively increase the performance whatever the performance is and then put it into the actual product production to satisfy the end customers so mm-hmm. at every stage of this pipeline there are ways how you can do it properly unfortunately we see that many people especially today with generative AI, they just try to write some prompts with open ai api and just think they have a company or the product or the business process optimization which mm-hmm. in reality they have a really rough poc which is even not close to something that what can work and improve and evolve uh, for years. And we are trying mm. to bring this to the world to help as many as possible to make something that lasts.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, I'd like to, to ask you about um, a specific uh, project that you've had uh, or maybe multiple uh, just to... So I would like to learn more about the mission and, and how you're leveraging the companies. I, I would have um more questions on like um building teams, leading teams, um how to get good um at uh, implementing and enhancing data and AI in companies. Uh maybe before that, could you share like your approach to problem solving? Um if maybe you can use an example that would be a uh, uh, cool, but uh, like how do you go about solving problems with um with data and ai and 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 share an example along the go uh, could that be something we can do
1: um maybe i'll split the question and uh, the answer as well so when we talk about the second part the solving the problems we need to define the end goal really well and this is where most of the companies are struggling what we are actually are trying to achieve and how we are actually measuring it because Mm -hmm. we are AI and uh, in general digitalization, etc. It's really a numbers game. So you need if you can define clearly the output, then you can find the right input. And uh, I really liked uh, one of the engagements that you had with Singaporean company Cordex, now part of Magellan X. They're installing uh, sensors on the ships, on the big vessels, mm-hmm. and uh, this is very not digital industry. So just installing the sensors, collecting the data is already hard but this data is not coming frequently, there are not so many digitalized ships, so actually you don't have a lot of data and the quality is really low. But still, you mm-hmm. would like to do some predictions. You would like to estimate emissions. So you have some data, you have some objectives, but uh, traditional machine learning might not work here. So how to do it? And this is, for example, another part that we try to bring at Neuron Slab is to combine domain expertise with machine learning. And when I say machine learning, I even say a bit in the broad sense, like mathematical modeling. Because with this specific customer, what we really had to do is to do more mathematical modeling than machine learning. So if you get a traditional data scientist who studies you know, Coursera courses and knows about uh, neural networks, you might be even not never be able to solve this problem because you need to know really well what is the input, how the diesel engine is working, what are some angular speeds, what is the combustion ingestion, Moments. It's uh, even different coordinates. It's not uh, Cartesian coordinates that you measure the data in. So you need to be Mm -hmm. physicists. Then when the data is broken, there is not enough of data, you cannot just train a neural network. You need to be able to read and understand scientific papers with physical models and then implement them in your favorite programming language. Mm -hmm. And then you need to optimize them towards a specific business target and business metric. So all of this uh, are important pieces of the project we did with the Cortex to be able to uh, predict the health of the engine and to predict the emissions that this engine will produce mm-hmm. and uh, you see it's uh, on the high level it sounds like machine learning problem or emissions prediction or oh, i'm just going to use some neural network to predict time series mm-hmm. but in reality it had nothing to do with time series prediction and this mm. is uh, what is example of interesting project
0: hmm. yeah like having all those tools uh, and uh, knowing well how to map the best models or mathematical applications. Yeah, I like to demystify AI or machine learning more generally um, into this is not just about Gen AI or or Transformers or uh, neural networks. Um, Awesome. You mentioned that you've built uh, or led different teams before starting on your company. Um, what was it like how did you improve and uh, what are the skills that you needed to develop to be effective or efficient uh, at leading this team in achieving um, high performance
1: before neuron Lab and with smaller teams and also given the market uh, state so before AI and still AI is a relatively new thing so even the best management practices are still work in progress. So for example, before uh, my teams, we were usually like one, two, three people, not big. And uh, in this kind of setup, you act not really like as a manager, but more of a, let's say, senior teammate who does both of the managing work. So, Of course, you have the scrum, you have schedule, you have tasks, board, dailies, whatever, all the needed management artifacts. Mm-hmm. But still you need to... Show the way and empower your teammates to do something. And this empowerment can come in different ways. For example, you can uh, uh, you can prepare some architecture for work. Uh, you can find new data sets. So basically, you your job is at this stage is basically observing what your team is doing, doing something together with them, but also to see where your team is stuck. For example, with data, with communication, and just solve the blockers. So I think empowering your teammates, especially on the I think also on the small scale and the big scale is uh, ultimate, uh, okay, maybe not ultimate, a really important pillar of uh, leadership, mm. team leadership.
0: Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I like, uh, like having this this big picture and like uh, setting the direction and making sure we remove the obstacles on the way uh, before the teams arrive there, or at least we try to. So that, that no, and it's
1: literally get... this, it's like how to formalize the goal that everyone understands. So you need to understand okay, how to measure something, how we can put mm-hmm. number this, what is the number that we can measure every day, every week, every month? And we mm-hmm. all aligned on this. We all discuss, we agree this is the number we want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And then you have some standard management techniques. How do you synchronize on this? And then yeah, I think the creative part is to find the solutions to the blockers. So you need to step back a little mm-hmm. to see what's happening, what's happening around and uh, yes sometimes you need to just bring solutions by yourself sometimes you brainstorm with the team then it depends
0: awesome what are the challenges that you faced um leading teams um previously to your company and maybe nowadays uh that's something that i can ask about but what are the challenges that you can see because you have a very interesting profile um I don't like to make the distinction in between like technical and business because I feel like all of these are not necessarily separated and you embrace uh, different aspects of it and more. So how do you develop different skills? Uh, We tend to generalize as they can not match like business is business, technical is technical, which I don't really like. But like, how do you embrace all the skills? How do you develop all those skills? And, and coming back to the, um, I'll come back to the, to the question of, uh, of teams, uh, and, and challenges that you can face afterward. But I'm very curious to ask you about how do you combine all the skills? How do you develop those skills and how those skills makes you better on a daily basis, like having different hats, let's say.
1: I would say in my case it's partly the luck but uh, if I want to put it kind of on the higher level of abstraction uh, I think it's important to separate what is your education uh, what is your uh, talent and so what is something that you learn like as an partisanship. So my education is technical. So obviously uh, I've spent uh, many years uh, still studying like technology algorithms mathematics how to implement it and uh, I'm Pretty much good in this. This number one, I would say my talent, something what I was doing since really young age, is uh, some kind of public speaking. So, for example, I was uh, playing guitar, I was uh, doing some things like in the school, small theater pieces, etc. So, um, since really small, I'm not afraid to speak, to speak out loud, to speak from the scene for the big audiences, which is uh, a proxy to a sales skill. So, basically, for me. Sales, speaking, explaining is comfortable, and I would say it's coming from the even some kind of childhood conditioning. And then over the years, something what I had to pick up, and something what I didn't study exactly, and something what I cannot say is my talent is management. So I was just working with people who are uh, before Neuron Slab, especially now with Neuron Slab, are really great managers, and I I learn from them basically just how they do things. And uh, yeah, when you combine sales management technology, uh, those are the important things actually to to run organizations. Not awesome. the only ones, but yeah, important.
0: Makes sense. And um, so speaking of management, how do you, do you have like examples of, um, I think what I'd, I'd be interesting in is how do you get good at management? Which I believe is a... <laughs> A long process and and we can always improve, but um uh, do you have insights on that uh, do you have insights? you mentioned like um, get surrounded by people who are good at it and uh and learn from them That's one thing. do you have more insights
1: I don't consider myself as a good manager, especially if I compare myself to my colleagues uh, right now, so that's why <laughs> like uh I cannot tell you how to be a good manager, but yeah, number one is to surround yourself with good managers and copy them as much as possible. I think what also can help a little is to try to think uh, with organizational mindset also in personal life. So for example, what helped me a little is to approach my personal goals, my personal routines, personal projects, also with structuring them, you know, in a kind of like Scrum Agile way. And then mm-hmm. to think in terms of resources, uh, planning, OKRs, KPIs in personal life. I mean, of course, uh, it's not like a game changer, but it, also, it's, it helps us the practice. So the more you practice goal setting, resource allocation, team addition, uh, task separation, uh, progress tracking, issue resolution. So if you can do it, for example, with your health, with your sports, with your relationships, yeah, it kind of gives you experience and helps you to do the same thing successfully in professional life and uh, vice versa, of course. Awesome. So practice.
0: Awesome. Practice. Uh, okay, so we've came back to the challenges of a building team. Okay, maybe um, following on, on this topic, um, what got you into building the company that you're actually building?
1: I think initial motivation was really different from what uh, motivates me right now. Okay. But as far as I remember, initial motivation was that... Uh, To do things better and kind of like to show how to do things correctly, because I was already working even by myself or with small teams uh, as a freelancer. So basically Mm -hmm. it was like a small one person agency Mm -hmm. and uh, I wanted to scale it. So I knew that uh, there is a way to make impact, there is a way to do things correctly as a professional. And I didn't have any idea of a real kind of like a product in mind, but I have an idea what is the kind of AI professionalism because I had education, I had experience, I saw so many people around me doing it in a more simple way or often in incorrect way. That's what I wanted to fix. I wanted to bring it. And uh, yeah, I didn't know how to build organizations. I tried, but I failed. And I found uh, also with a big piece of luck, my co-founder, Igor, uh, who had experience in building organizations and also partly in AI. So we combined our efforts and uh, so far it's done really well
0: awesome um all right following what are you looking um what skills are you looking in people when you want to grow your team or teams in general uh, when you want to develop grow in the AI and data field what are you mainly interested in terms of profiles and skills um I think it would be very interesting if you if you share them that
1: I think uh, recently I look much less in terms of the specific skill set because skills can be trained, especially hard skills. What I pay a little bit more attention to is uh, soft skills and uh, work attitude. And by work attitude, at least for our company, uh, we are. F- I know it sounds like a cliche that uh, many <laughs> companies put, you know, in their company description: fast-paced environment, right? But uh, everyone says this, but uh, we are small and we have to be fast. And when someone says like, oh, I need like weeks to think about something, it's all right. I understand how it can work in the bigger companies, but for example, for us, it cannot work. That's in terms of experience and work attitude, we really look for someone who has startup experience, who knows how to get things done fast. And from the soft skills perspective, it's the, com- it's the collaboration. Uh, it's many people, especially engineers, they prefer to work by themselves, which is also okay. And you can be genius, data scientist, programmer, and in big companies there will be always place for such genius individuals. You know, it's like you can be extremely good, you can work by yourself, you can get uh, amazing salary, etc., etc., which is completely fine. In our case, we we focus more on collaboration even cross teams collaboration and even as the engineer you need to be able to speak to non-engineers and uh, again this is specifics of our organization again it doesn't mean that it's correct for bigger companies or other kind of companies but this is what we focus on really good communication collaboration skills and experience in getting things done fast and iterating Mm. so uh, another thing that happens often people wait too long to get to make something perfect mm-hmm. which uh, in our case often is a mistake it's better to make 10 small iterations and improve over time than make mm-hmm. one big iteration and in the end do the wrong
0: thing mm. yeah yeah i'm aligned with that i feel like uh i feel like um it doesn't work. I mean, there are many books that talk about this, like how is it way better, how it's way better to iterate than uh, and learn through iteration and through feedback than trying to like get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. I'd like to ask you about your freelancing journey uh, before coming back to Neurons Lab. Um, right. So you've been a freelancer for some time. How was it? What did you learn? Um, and uh, And what are like the lessons that you can share, like if you would to recommend pro and cons of freelancing in general in the field?
1: I think freelancing is definitely not for everyone for the long term, but I recommend everyone to try it. Uh, Because uh, basically being a freelancer, at least in my view, is is building a company of one person. So you need to think about your work. Okay, I am also the CEO. I am the CTO, I am the marketer, I am the sales, I am the designer, I am everything, which is all right. And I think it's a good, uh, for example, I definitely didn't regret it. It uh, helped me to try different roles, to learn different skills. And uh, for my personality, this kind of independence is also valuable. It's one of my personal core values. So for me, it was a natural way to grow and to get ready to start building teams and organizations Uh, but also when let's say on this way i was talking to other people who were trying freelancers quitting freelance i understand that uh, also it's not easy to everyone just to try all these roles i recommend trying it's like for example if you can go for a year or two but with uh, one important uh, point it's like when you get a remote job it's not a freelancing Freelancing is when you consciously play the role of the CEO, CTO, head of sales, head of marketing, head of design mm-hmm. in your own company. So you have your own website, you have your own process, everything written, notion, numbers, metrics, but you're one person. Mm-hmm. So when you think like this, act like this, and even then in the end, you just coding for some company, but you treat it as a, like yourself as a one person company. This is what I consider it kind of true freelancing. If you just get a remote job and get salary, I mean, that, that's amazing, but it's not freelancing. I just recommend mm-hmm. not confusing those two terms. And there's nothing wrong with remote jobs. It's like I'm pro-remote jobs, just if we talk about the freelancing, that's a bit different.
0: Awesome. Are you building teams remotely or presential, or do you breed? What is your vision on that? And what do you find most effective if you've tried both? Um,
1: mostly remote. So my career was, uh, let's say, apart from my very first, first jobs was uh, all remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are building teams remotely. And I think what we found recently is important is to build relationships offline and then to be product, to do productive work together online. And I think this is a good recipe. So the way you want to build a trade-off between, basically, yeah, hybrid is the key. Uh, maybe in my case, the trade-off is more towards the remote work and maybe you can meet with your team once in a couple of months. You get together, you build a relationship, you have a good time and then you go back to work remotely. This is what I consider as a good recipe. But of course, for other organizations, it can be, you know, even like one day working online and four days uh, offline in the office. Again, mm. but I think the some kind of hybrid is definitely the right way.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I like how you describe it, where where even if like everyone is like in different countries or not in the same town and so on. So you can do like an hybrid style where you get two weeks, two days uh, at the office and and then remote. But having this mindset of uh, meeting everyone once a month, every two months, uh, this is something I was uh, was listening also uh, in previous episodes where you can really like you need at some point to connect with people. Like,
1: exactly. To build the chemistry, to teamwork. Yeah, it's you cannot yeah. replace it. It cannot happen online.
0: Yeah, and it's a great um, it's a great vacuum for attention and so on. Um, awesome. So coming back to Neural Neurons Lab, sorry, um, I'd like to ask you about growing the company. So we've discussed different topics um but i'm very curious to to know about what challenges did you face on the journey of um growing of growing the company and and what are you most excited in in general which is a big question
1: (laughs) i think you when you grow you'll see challenges everywhere And uh, it will be hiring, it will be sales, it will be management, it will be engineering. Because as organization grows, everything has to adapt. And for example, what uh, was not obvious to me first and what my business partner Igor helped a lot to understand and to build is to that the company structure as itself, also like a skeleton of a company has to evolve together with the size, with the goals, with the ambitions. Mm. So it's relatively easy to think about like each function separately, how they can evolve but how to combine it together and to build a structure of those functions to evolve. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, definitely interesting and still is interesting. Awesome. And yeah. Yeah. So basically no, what, like, what? I, I cannot select only one, to be honest, like everything, even right now we have our, like new goals. We are also growing. We're building uh, solutions. We want to sell not only services, but also solutions. We want to work with bigger clients so of course all of us has, have to adopt as kind of separate functions but also as the organization as the skeleton of organization as well and we do this hmm. iteratively step by step do this
0: awesome do you want to comment on culture like how do you build culture in general in a company and in a team
1: uh that's a really good question we have uh, things written as uh, cultural pillars but I think, and companies should have it, but I think what is most interesting is uh, how to actually cultivate the culture. So for example, you put in your culture pillars. That's what we have and maybe other companies have as well. Ownership mindset, right? It's like, it's a good statement that everyone has to feel a little bit like they own the company, but what mm. does it really mean? Ownership mindset. Mm. What does it mean to behave is the uh, ownership mindset. And this is exactly the, the challenge, how to build a culture. You need to show with the example What does it mean to think Mm -hmm. for yourself, to act in a company interest, to propose solutions, to be part of the team? And this is something what is a little bit intangible because, of course, again, you can start writing this down, but you cannot describe culture It's not a process. You know what I mean? Something a bit more intangible. Mm -hmm. And, for example, that's what I mentioned before. It's amazing to work with guys from the startups because people who work in young organizations, they grow fast, change fast. They aren't invested in success and it stays as a, as a as a cultural habit. So, of course, uh, it's a big pleasure to to work with such people because for them, this ownership mindset is almost a standard. But, hmm. for example, with some people who work for 10, 15, 20 years in a big organization. You know, when you can... Uh, sometimes you can uh, skip something. You even... Sometimes you need to think for yourself. There is always some boss who is responsible for everything or for you. Uh, you don't have opportunity to practice this ownership mindset but it doesn't mean that you of course you can do this but uh, some bigger organizations can create for you more obstacles to practice it and typically smaller organizations like startups give you more opportunity to practice it
0: awesome um all right Uh, if i come back to the future question Mm -hmm. so um i would like to add one thing to this um What are you most excited about in in what's coming and what's your vision? So um, on a previous talk, um, you told me about the AI spectrum and the five Mm -hmm. levels. So I wanted to know if you could uh, elaborate on this AI spectrum, um, what it is, why is it interesting, and maybe align it with uh, the vision that you have for data and AI in general, uh, based on, on what you've learned so far
1: uh i recommend reading the original article it's uh, by nfx venture fund and i think you can find it something like by ai spectrum nfx in google or whatever engine you use the idea is that there are five this what i'm telling now is my interpretation it's not exactly how it's in the blog Hmm. five levels of uh, ai adoption and i don't mean that one level is better than another but uh, they definitely complexity is evolving. So level one, for example, in my interpretation is every company has to use some AI tools, it can be Chat GPT, can be stable diffusion, whatever your business is in every business function, you can empower mm-hmm. your teammates to use AI. Mm-hmm. And this is and you can stay on this level. This is completely fine. You can be even offline business, but your teammates can use AI for do some work. Amazing mm-hmm. level number one. Level number two, this is when you already need to bring a little bit of your data, maybe a little bit more of security, uh, maybe a little bit more of the workflows. For example, you need to integrate AI into your pipeline, into your CRM, into some other kind of system. You need to scale it uh, across a function. So for example, you need to have 10 people in marketing using AI. And if you just tell them all, you know, use ChatGPT, this might be not enough but uh, if you build some integrated solution if you mm-hmm. subscribe to some software this can be much better uh, level number three this is when you already need to achieve goals beyond average so again even using some LLMs is not enough you need to fine tune it you need to bring your own data you need to train your own model because you need to really tailor it to your metrics Mm-hmm. And uh, levels four and five, this is already AI is becoming your main business and you build AI products as your main business practically. And uh, this is uh, basically when you see something like AI startup and when you see even company OpenAI or Anthropic, uh, they are basically AI first, level number five. They The whole business is AI itself. And uh, yeah, basically this is the spectrum. Awesome. I was about to ask you like the future of AI. Basically, that's why I like talking about this AI spectrum because then it's easy to forecast the future. There'll be more companies using and building AI on every level. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really, it's pragmatic way to look into this. And even the level five, there will be companies who will be improving artificial general intelligence and potentially mm-hmm. we will even achieve it. But there will be... On the previous levels, other kinds of uh, AI algorithms that are more simple, just optimizing one function, documents, voice, uh, some forecasts, whatever it is. And uh, in my opinion, they all nicely coexist together. Just like right now, digital and non-digital businesses nicely coexist together, the same as uh, different levels of AI adoption will coexist. And uh, yeah, it's a pragmatic point of view, but I think this will evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm curious to ask you about um, before asking you about the future of AI and so on <laughs> which is a very fun question uh, <laughs> um, I'm curious to ask you about uh, AGI so to you AGI without getting into too much details because to me it is something that I don't really it's not that I don't care about AGI of course no but Uh, it really depends on like many definitions and it can vary from different persons based on like how do you how do you define consciousness how do you define like um, artificial general intelligence there are many definitions some more established and so on uh, which is why I don't tend to ask too much about it but my question um, around AGI would be do you believe AGI will be achieved and so okay so that I said that I need to put a definition on aGI which which I'll just say it can do what humans can do better uh, like t- taking the average of humans uh, let's say, and um, and like from from like cover all the the range of uh, what humans are capable uh, of um, on average uh, kind of i don't know um but that i think yeah
1: yeah, this is okay definition for example if you think about some kind of humanoid robot that can cook better than you it can you know shoot the gun better than you it can run better than you it can type uh, text better than you it can make smm promotions better than you Uh, i think if you talk about from the purely reductionist perspective like okay now we need to reduce the human intelligence to one top 100 tasks it will be hmm. cooking, shooting, cleaning, calculating, forecasting, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then we will just try to optimize each of those tasks separately to be more than human average. And then we put it together to into some human-led robot. Yeah, of course, it will be doable. It's like awesome. uh, n- not a problem. Is it a true definition of general intelligence?
0: What would be yours now that we're discussing it? <laughs> I, I,
1: don't ha- I don't have any because, uh, again, maybe I'm a little bit biased towards the human intelligence, and I definitely think that human intelligence cannot be just reduced to 100, 100, 1 1 million tasks. Uh, But I understand why scientific community, why scientific approaches, reductions, which is completely fine. I just don't think we should reduce human intelligence to this. Uh, And also I'm open to the thinking that uh, there might be non-human intelligence measured by different metrics, which also is completely... Fine, we just don't uh, know it yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like it to like not compare machines and human, and uh, and yeah, I like how you frame it. Um, and so, to you, talking about what we just mentioned, achieving X tasks better than the average of humans, do you believe that it would be through one model, like one huge model, like Chad GP like? Um, GPT 12 I don't know maybe maybe 6 <laughs> just just not that far or do you think it would be like multiple models like a lot of different models are, are um, performing all together like a swarm of models and agents what what is just on that
1: I think the trend in the modern approach is towards one single model, multi model model. For example, right now, there are models that can process at the same time uh, text and images really well, like GPT-4. And obviously, you can add their voice input, you can add their dynamic uh, video input, uh, and also you can make it act not only digitally, but also physically. For example, you have a prompt that is text, image, and a video, and the answer should be some robotic arm movement, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, with enough data or simulations, obviously this can be done. So I think uh, at least what I observe in the machine learning community, uh, first is the reductionist approach. So first mm-hmm. all of these problems have been solved separately. And then there is a the synthesis approach. And basically GPT-4 is a good result of synthesis of previously done things. And uh, yeah, so first most all, we will solve them individually. Then there will be some multi-modal model that will synthesize them
0: Hmm. yeah i feel that we're really at the beginning of this because right now basically it is just all right let's put more money and more gpus on one model and see and more data and and see what can happen but we're still like on the on the surface of what can be done and like all the all the field now of nlp have pivoted kind of uh, towards Mm -hmm. uh, what's happening and and like how to optimize those you mentioned something that i'm totally aligned with there is a very interesting podcast um, from latin space um where they discuss with uh people at um hugging face about obelix uh and Edifice. i think mm-hmm. uh, which are like t- uh, how they are building those open source multimodal models which is very interesting and i really believe that 2024 will be all about um multimodal model models and like how we build uh, those kind of things and and uh, so definitely aligned um, and in terms of like is it one model multiple model uh, yeah interesting um, all right based on based on that where do you think that AI is going to grow in the next five to ten years? depending on which one you feel comfortable. I feel that it's very hard to predict during 10 it years is. what can happen. But like maybe two, three next years, can you have a vision on that?
1: My mind as every human mind is with the linear. I think, uh, I mean, I know that I definitely cannot comprehend the nonlinear diffusion of uh, what's happening with the AI. The same as obviously if I, if you asked me this question 20 years ago about the internet diffusion would have been able to predict it how it evolved. Uh, imagine like I live in the 90s and uh, you see people, wow, people buy pizza on the internet, there is Amazon Bookshelf. Most probably wouldn't be able to predict such a diffusion. The same as I right now, I don't think I, I'm not able to predict the diffusion of AI, but I think what we discussed about multimodality is definitely correct. Also, I expect models to be, to be acting more. So right now, when we even have the LLMs, they're purely, okay, not purely, mostly informational. So what we are trying to achieve is uh, correct answers, correct conversation. We fight hallucinations, biases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is less work done on the correct acting. There is some work, especially with the agents, done on the acting in the digital world. For example, there can be the LLM agent that can already send emails for you, book restaurants for you, etc, etc. And uh, I expect more acting, not only in the digital, but in the physical world. And I think uh, this will happen sooner even than my mind can comprehend. So your multimodality and acting, yeah, this is what I would bet on.
0: Hmm. There. Yeah, agreed. Uh, agreed. It is impossible to visualize even though we can imagine like some impacts and like you know, how could it yeah but uh, no but imagination
1: produce? is not forecasting it's like imagination is a bit different as i also can imagine something but it doesn't mean it's a forecast like educated
0: yes huh. also if we look at for example um what's happening today even though i have no idea of what's going to exist tomorrow we like if we talk about impacting the job markets like we know that if some jobs does not get up to speed enhancing AI or like robots that are enhanced by AI, you know, Uh, they'll struggle on the job market. Like, mm-hmm. and this transition, even though we don't have like the forecast and the vision, is something that we can prepare for because it is very probable. Probably, uh, prob- yeah, yeah, um, it has a high probability. Um, do do you have like things that you believe can be, you mentioned before about like human-centered company and and um, valuing a lot these uh, aspects of, um, it's not just like technical things and machines and so on, which is like human-centered uh, and, and having like philosophical thoughts and putting people first. Do you believe that, the growth that we've seen in this technology and in in data and in internet, like the internet in general, how it grows. Do you feel that we need to prepare for specific things, um, or are you preparing or adapting to specific things, even though you're in the field? I don't know if if you have some like comments on on, on that.
1: I would. Share two perspectives: one from the individual, and second from the society. I think, from this, if you talk about the society, it's more of an even political, cultural question. Mm. And uh, I'm not really positive here because uh, we still live in this kind of be, bi- at least in the West, we live in this kind of bipartisan political spectrum between liberals and conservatives, whatever you call them. And uh, I can only hope for that you'll we'll have a combination of both approaches. So there will be some, let's say, conservative approach that people have to adopt. Which I believe is correct. People have to adapt, retrain, learn new skills, etc. And from the liberal perspective, there will be some government incentives to help people with maybe some universal income, maybe with some uh, like uh, free education, some incentives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I hope it will be a healthy combination of both. But most probably, in the reality, we will see uh, some countries adopting radical conservative approach, some countries adopting rad- radically. Radical effort. Unfortunately, this is the world we're living in right now. Okay. So for society, I'm rather pessimistic because unfortunately we live in the really radicalized society. That's why the answer to AI, I expect to be radicalized as well. From the individual perspective, my answer will be similar. I'm trying to combine, uh, let's say, both areas where I can use AI for my benefit and for example, right now, I see it's purely intellectual. So for example, even asking the, some questions, structuring some things in my life, uh, I hope I'll have more agents to maybe to structure my emails, to answer my emails, to as my mm-hmm. personal assistant, etc. So wherever I can be reductionist and scientific about my life, definitely mm-hmm. I'll be using AI. But at the same time, I definitely don't want to lose touch with traditional humanistic things like uh, emotions relationships uh, nature culture arts etc cetera, etc cetera. so it doesn't mean that i will not try to learn about the, let's say ai generated arts but it doesn't mean that i don't want to lose touch with the human generated arts so i think this kind of synthesis should be the answer both on the societal and personal level but reality is harder it's hard to synthesize in the reality
0: right yeah agreed this is a hard question uh it is like because it will impact society as a whole which is like it has so many variables that it is very uh yeah it is impossible to 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 have uh th- some things can be um debated one mm. thing that i'm really excited about is the access to learning because we can imagine very well how enhancing multi language with like technology we can all have the best of the best teachers independently of wherever we live. And so that, as a, I, that I think can be very good for equality of opportunities, which uh, is uh, one thing that I'm very excited about.
1: No, definitely, I think AI has this nice social impact. So it brings everything to the average level. So when for all kinds of communities and individuals when the average was be- level was below average, it will be a big help. But uh, it was with many technologies, because, but also it will create another kind of an inequality. So people who actually already were above average and use technology, they will skyrocket uh, uh, even faster. So, you know, it's like if you think about terms of the fixed world, yeah, some inequality will be fixed, new will be created. It seems like it's the endless uh, cycle. It's like, uh, you know, we can... And the question is, should we even fix it or should we just, you know, trust the process and like, okay, we fix one inequality, we create another, then we work on this, we fix another, and we just need to evolve. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's already philosophical.
0: Yeah, it is. But I like <laughs> it. And I like how... So today, for example, 2GPT is like very average, even like 4, gpt 4. But I really like thinking about having... Short-term, very expert um, LLMs, and so you can imagine then in the new headset of uh, of Meta or Apple, where like you can play with your environment and so on. Yeah. You can really imagine having the best coach, uh, the best coach of um, of whatever you're curious about, and so everyone have access to the best. And so then it is just like, am I willing to do? Like, of course, there will always be. Um, there we, of course there will be um, like inequalities in the world and what like what assets do I have to start with uh, like there are a lot of um, psychological, emotional and so on biases but just knowing that everyone can get access to the best coach and like there is no, because I have a status or I know those people, I have access to high, higher quality of information. Like having all this information out there available publicly, like ideally publicly for anyone to mm. learn uh, from the best is something that can be very interesting. I personally like it, but uh, very interesting. No, it's
1: like the question is how do you define the best? Because for example, if I chat mm. right now with... Uh, even with any kind of LLM about physics, yeah, it knows all the knowledge of the physics that was trained on, uh-huh. but there is new physical things uh, like research and discoveries appearing the moment we are speaking, yeah. And uh, it's, it's it also this LLMs create a way to control the access to information. So most of people will use let's say ChatGPT version 2024, and when they mm. chat about the physics, they are constrained by this knowledge, yeah. and uh, some other people organizations communities will use even more developed things so again it's like uh, yeah we might get philosophical here but yeah i agree with you that for example for many places around the level is below average it will be good and high enough and very good access to some kind of coaches hmm. but uh, still there will be other ones that are better which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing it's just like a property that we need to understands like yeah it's like i'm Definitely. chatting to chat gpt it's really good coach but for example i don't consider it as the best because yeah. i know that out there there is someone who is even better
0: yeah you'll have a leaderboard in competitions yeah. like uh, people building like very advanced drugs, whatever it will look like where you have like all latest research plus uh like reasoning and pros and cons of like uh, latest papers uh, plus like all the fundamentals that have been done so far and yeah but yeah very good point um i'd like to ask you uh in the in the few minutes that we have uh still uh, maybe about healthcare and uh, finance which are two domains that you've worked quite um um you've worked in so what did you learn from both fields and um uh, do you have some insights for us uh, based on 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 all the use cases that you've done in, in these two domains
1: i think what is common for both that uh, the stakes are really high so there is a high value lots amount of money on stake or humans lives on stake hmm. and then some economical contexts are even interexchangeable. you know it's like you actually can put a price on human life if you're really in reductionist, but it, this is what happens. Hmm. And uh, so when you try to build machine learning models to detect some health condition or to price some financial instruments and try to predict something, you really need to be testing it super carefully. And by testing it, I don't mean only technical cross-validation, metrics, etc. For example, you need to... Combine it with the something what is common sense in the domain. So, for example, in healthcare, it will be about really careful design of your experiments, how you're going to test. For example, you build a medical device, and uh, this, if you're just a regular data scientist, you're just going, oh, I'll go to the hospital, collect the data. No you need to go to several hospitals, to several environments. You need to stratify by age, uh, by gender, by condition, by you might even want to control for weather. You might want to control, for example, even how hairy is your skin because depending on the hair of on your hands, you can measure things differently. Mm-hmm. And if you don't control for that, your experiment is faulty and basically you risk human health and human life. Mm-hmm. And the same is fin- in finance. It's like you want to do asset management, you want to control for different uh, political situations, for different economic regimes, you want to control for... Uh, different events that happen in business. You want to act it not only based on time, but based on some events. So again, Mm -hmm. the way you design experiment, the way you test, the way you define the metrics, it's very, very complex if you actually think about all possible conditions. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so high risk, and which reflects into really, really careful experiment and testing design. And that's why those industries... People often complain, oh, they're not progressing as fast as you would like to, but because there is high risk, and that's where you need to... People are already tracking all those things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, this is like those specific use cases in a mail where you can't have... um, You can't have... You need to have only true positives, and, and all the other box uh, in the in the matrix are to zero. Like no, like we try to, to be the best and, and not making any error because, um, because the consequences are um, are very important. And I, I like this uh, comparison between healthcare and finance because, like, if we see if we look at it from a philosophical perspective, it's very. On one side, you have human's life and on the other side, you have like um, the stock markets and trying to make more money. And so one could see like kind of um, um, a dichotomy between uh, those two things. Um, so I'd like to <laughs> to ask you to, to, to create a further boundary between two domains. How do you make money with data science or ML in finance? <laughs>
1: I wrote many articles uh, about this on my blog, so I'll be shamelessly <laughs> promoting it and uh, letting uh, asking you to check more there. But I think if the I can give, if I can summarize it in the like very very shortly, don't predict the storm, stock market. Mm. What you really want to do, you want to find the uh, the way to act on the stock market under uncertainty with the proper way and making especially machine learning predictions about uh, some kind of price movement, uh, it's definitely not the only way to act on the stock market. So for people who are interested, uh, again, you can check my blog there. I make mentions to some other books and authors. But one of the very important ideas is that uh, because many start, and that's how I started with price prediction, and I had to realize the hard way, this is not uh, not the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of uh, those persons, too. Like, <laughs> do, you, you and know, that's completely
1: fine. That's how many people yeah. start. Just uh, maybe I can save someone weeks, yeah. hours, months, maybe.
0: Yeah, you're like, look, I'll use this uh, strategy where it combines like moving average plus other metrics and, and then and then I'll, yeah. <laughs> like we can predict uh, like, too many things that we can predict, but I like uh, Like, for example, I like this approach When I thought first time when someone told me about some people were using satellite images to look into some reserves of oil and based on like how much they were filled, they were acting on the stock market, which nowadays everyone is going to do it. So I I don't believe um, it works or I believe like, I don't believe this is something that we can still be doing, but I believe that maybe, and correct me, this, this kind of, Ways of like collecting data to take actions, even in if um um it's in uh, uncertainty times, can be uh, can be uh, used leveraged to like have a financial um I mean just to, to have yeah. strategies that might work in the in perform in the financial market. Even though I don't yeah. promote it, yeah. and I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying uh, to, to to do anything like it. And but I don't know. I'm just curious about it in general. What do you think?
1: No, I'm gonna give you two comments here. One comment is uh, first of all not to confuse uh, correlation with causation, because traditional machine learning models are uh, technically about uh, correlation or some kind of nonlinear dependencies, but not about causal effects. That's number one. And second, uh, you should uh, also understand that those connections can be temporary. And uh, for example, they can be temporary because of the some kind of market efficiency when too many people use the same data, the same reasoning. You know, when you want to buy some some stock or whatever, someone has to sell it. When everyone has the same of images everyone wants to buy and no one to sell, well, you know, it's not going to happen. And uh, also some signals, they just uh, temporary. For example, there are some... Political regimes under which uh, some signals are more strong, or for example in cryptocurrency, there are some kind of cycles when sentiment in social media is even more important than fundamental things about your coin. And uh, you know, it's it can be temporal, and also don't mistake correlation and causation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And looking at the sentiments on social media, it's like you said. Um, if we've at some point deduced that emotions on social media, let's say Twitter, even though now it's a bit expensive <laughs> to to use tweets. Um, uh, but uh, if we look at emotions, but um, it's known that it's a good strategy, then you'll have very huge funds behind that have like best algorithms to get um, all those... Um, um, like models are way more advanced and that can act way faster on stock market, which like like you said, it is a, it is a, a cons. Okay, so two last questions, if that sounds mm-hmm. good. Um, the first one being, where can people learn more about you? So you have a blog, you have LinkedIn, uh, it will be in the description. Do you have more?
1: No, this is mainly it because uh, all other social media, they basically reflect uh, LinkedIn. Uh, the almost mirror copy and uh yeah i think blog and linkedin and when i have time i post uh, there
0: awesome um perfect just before i ask you the last question of uh, this episode we had uh, a question from the previous episode um which is if you could share one time where it was in your career where it was pretty challenging and what time where it was um uh, Very great. So, I think I transformed a little bit the question, but you have the idea. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Challenging. It's always challenging to to fire people or to part ways with people. It's like uh, you have to do it, and it's always, I think it's never getting easy. I mean, uh, there are all the rational reasons why I have to do it this way, I have been doing it, but. it's uh i think it's like if you're a normal human being it shouldn't be extremely easy for you maybe like a little bit challenging and uh, exciting moments always uh, for me personally about starting something new starting new company starting a new direction starting your partnership starting working with a new client so every time there is a new beginning where you need to set up a foundation and create something like basically zero to one always exciting for me i'm less excited about uh, uh, let's say one-to end things although I they they have to be done uh, but every time there is something happening from zero uh, it's uh, it's always interesting
0: awesome and last question and I want you to thank you um I want to thank you for coming on the show sharing and taking this time thank you for uh, inviting I learned a lot yeah and, and I had an amazing time if you're still here listening thanks a lot for joining we still have one more question but feel free to uh, leave a like and subscribe if you enjoy this kind of content. Also, let us know in the comments if you have any questions or things that we missed out. We'll definitely um, comment on that. Uh, and my last question is: Do you have a message for the Let's TK community? So it can be anything from what we discussed today. It can be personal. It's whatever you want. Do you have a message? Oof, this is this is a tough one. A message.
1: Now I have to be really careful with what I'm saying. Message. 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 Again, I'm at risk of being very abstract, but uh, I see individuals and communities all often fall into a trap of this kind of linear thinking and uh, binary decisions. It's like AI, good or bad, or uh, do I need to work uh, here or here? Do I need to be a technical or a business person? No, it's like uh, there are so many dichotomies, both in inside technical decisions or in like life decisions, career decisions, etc and uh it's ruining so many so many opportunities and maybe it's not ai related advice but i think it's more like a general life advice when you f- meet such a dichotomy in life try to replace or with and so can i be both business and technical can i make this and this can yeah. i be both using ai and stay a human you know yeah. uh it's a uh, it's easy to formulate this question and it can give you interesting thoughts. And I think today is, uh, again, when many societies and people are really, there's this dichotomy and radicalization, I think trying to synthesize and combine together can be
0: can be useful. Love it. Thank for the tips. Amazing. Well, I wish you to have an amazing day. Thanks again for coming to the show and thanks for everyone who is still here on the podcast. I wish you to have an amazing day. Thank you.
1: Thank you.